Hey guys, welcome back to the iCast. This is Chris, and I'm with my co-host as always, Ike. Hey guys, welcome back. Thank you for joining us this fun Saturday. Yeah, back to normal schedule and uh, back to the normal sort of uh, rigmarole. This time in the role in the war room, uh, we're going back to man. Honestly, like one of the most seminal and important things that we ever were able to cover, right? Which would have been January six. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, we've said it multiple times. We said it's a watershed, it was a watershed moment in, in, this, um, in this country, in our democracy. And um, we finally got a January 6th commission. It is a bipartisan commission, even though I think the Republicans, uh, McCarthy, try to make it not bipartisan so they could say, oh, it's completely run by the Democrats. But... Uh, yeah, Liz well, Cheney the Democrats and, were, yeah, were able to very, very successfully get Liz Cheney and uh, Adam Kinsinger, right? Right. And keep in mind, both of them are very conservative, but they did, you know, they've been consistent in their positions. And the thing is that, um, you know, Liz Cheney has voted conservative, has not been aligned with the Democrat the Democrats' policies at all. So having her on the commission, I think, is is very important. Yeah, I mean, Liz Cheney was like that that example of someone who is ideologically very, very similar to Trump in the way that she votes, right? Yeah. She votes uh, along the way that is more akin to his agenda, more akin to that agenda in general. However, yeah. the problem arises where she is not loyal in terms of the way she talks about the Supreme Leader, right? Mm-hmm. She... She's critical of January 6th. She's critical of his actions. Well, it's not blind loyalty. I, exactly. I, I think that's the... I think you can't say she's she doesn't talk loyally. I think it's... She's not... She doesn't put party over country. Yeah, that's the okay. thing, right? It's like Trump expects this, this, this absolute subservience, this blind loyalty, this, you know, um, this sort of like just focus on him, the ideologue, right? Right. Uh... Yeah, just in general, just all things in general. And it's like she's, she's. Chris, what is the ideology of uh, Trump? Just uh, start a dumpster fire. Well, Trump's ideology is fundamentally about himself and like right. just like this this free for all. You know, like just grab everything that you can when you go. You know, at, while you have power, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, do whatever the hell you want, get it all done. And, you know, let's face it, they were tried to do as much of that as they could. That tax bill was horribly planned and, you know, it doesn't, you know, help anybody, right? Right, uh, except a, a extremely elite group. Exactly. So, um, you know, like, just the Trump, Trump fundamentally, his ideology is, is about, like, blind loyalty to himself, Right. And right. he's found a group of people totally willing to do that, which is, you know, the Republican base. And he has been acting very successfully, like Kingmaker, right, right. for the Republicans right now. And, you know... Although, um, his hand-picked um, uh, representative in a special election for a congressional seat in Texas lost. Really? Yeah, it, he lost, and he lost by a large margin. So the question is, how much of a kingmaker is he? I think um, I had um, I've, I had read that uh, you know the GOP in South Carolina was closely watching because I think this is indicative of what well, it, people are getting tired, right? Yeah, definitely. When it comes to the old stock GOP, you know they do not want Trump around. He is bad for branding. He is bad for for business, right? Right. I mean, they'll say it behind doors. They just won't say it exactly. out in the open. Exactly. Well, that's the problem is that a lot of them are are totally for it, you know behind, you know behind closed doors. Uh, you know, like beyond closed doors, they'll talk about how reprehensible this guy is. Right. Uh, the only people who have been talking about it openly among the Republican caucus is the two members who are part of this January sixth commission. And right. as we were digressing, just you know, going down the rabbit hole of Trump and his ideology, we need to get back to the most important bit, which is these. Uh, Police officers were able to right. give testimony this week. So the the commission started this past Tuesday on the twenty seventh. They held their first um, series of interviews, and every day it's been um, uh, interviews. But yes, uh, you're right. On 
on Tuesday, the 27th, they had four officers testify um, as to the events that had happened. I mean, it was a serious, huge moment, right? Yeah. Um, You know, just really just taking it all in, it was one of those... We use that term watershed moment, and, and that that's exactly what it was. It was this large-scale watershed moment that when we see it, we see it one way, right? Very, very right. clearly. But what the officers saw, my God, was a whole other, just a whole other game that occurred. Yeah. But, right. And um, so I, I do want to talk about the testimony of the, the four officers, Officer... Um, Aquilino, Gonell, um, Michael, Fanone, Daniel Hodges, and um, Capitol Police hearing done. I do want to talk about um, so off, Capitol off uh, the Capitol officers was Aquilino, Gonell, and uh, Harry Dunn, and the DC police officers that were um, that were assigned uh, to the Capitol was Michael Fanone and Daniel Hodges. Now. Daniel Hodges was the officer that we saw footage of that was stuck in the door and they're pushing at him. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, um, and Michael Fanone, he was the officer we saw footage of where he was dragged off the, of the steps, um, just literally like pulled into and they used uh, his own taser and he, uh, on him as well. I mean, there's, um, so those were the, you know, the, the four officers that had testified. So we, it was, Two from Capitol Police, two from um, DC. Yeah, right. I mean, just yeah, just showing the their 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 testimony was straight up harrowing. I mean, uh, especially yeah. Fanon, who who was describing you know like the, the 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 various you know comments that were being thrown from at him by the by the crowd by the mob, right? You know about how they're possibly going to kill him, right? Right. Um, you know how they're you know how they're going to try to go for his gun, how he's afraid to go for his gun. Right, because if he went for his gun, that meant you know they might have taken it. Right, they might have taken it from him, and they, um, they may have turned it on him. Yeah, Yeah, and it, I, yeah, yeah, killed him for it. Right, and um, you know, and he said that you, he, he was yelling him that he had, he had girls, he had, he had family, he had children, and the mob was not, was not, um, was not like. Yeah, I mean that's probably yeah. yeah. That's probably the only thing that might have saved his life. Right, with with essentially just him begging, right? But it's what can I say? Like his his testimony was very very powerful. Uh, same thing with the black police officers who were you know remarking about you know essentially like the the, the racial abuse that they that they got hurled at them, right? Right. Um, just all of it, you know, this testimony. Uh, uh, was it DC police or, or police chief or capital police chief? I can't remember. Who right. Doing. So uh, let uh, Chris, if we can just quickly um, talk about, it. so, um, you know, um, Pelosi did, uh, did reach out to McCarthy and ask for him to name some Republicans, right. Who could be part of the committee and the Republicans he named were going to be, the same disruptionists, the same people who, you know, were not, did not want to get down to the, to, you know, what really happened. Uh, you know, uh, Jim Jordan was one of the, one of the peace, uh, people, Republicans he had recommended. So um, she said no, right? Yeah. Like she wants, she wanted legitimately like Republicans who wanted to investigate, not be obstructionists. And, um, you know, and um, she asked Liz Cheney, and she, um, Liz Cheney said, yes, I will. And um, let's, you know, remind everybody that Liz Cheney was voted out as the third highest ranking, and she was um, replaced by Elise Stefanik, who actually does vote more with the Democrats than Liz Cheney ever had. But hey, she's considered more of a Republican than Liz Cheney. Why? Because she's blindly, like, you know, drank that Kool-Aid from um, from MAGA. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, the right? big sort of like... Right. Like and then... Yeah. And then Adam Kissinger, he, Kissinger, he um, lobbied Nancy Pelosi to be included alongside Cheney, right? So that's, that's how we had two Republicans who... 
who are on the committee and it's good it's a good thing that um that they're that they're on that committee right yeah. um i it, so I, and you could see the complete difference right because they it actually felt like what hearing should feel like it wasn't a podium to spew the same lies like you allowed the um witnesses to testify and then you question the witnesses yeah but uh, uh, so on yeah, the 27th I mean, in, we had yeah, in terms the, of yeah. how the yeah in terms of these hearings right they have been very very respectful during the hearing itself outside the hearings you know you have the the normal sort of republican talking points about trying to diminish delegitimize reduce you know the conservative trump right uh, you know like you know like oh yeah you know let's try to reduce like how much trump was part of this even though he was completely a part of it right 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 and let's keep in mind I, um you know one of the one the guys that uh, mccarthy wanted to appoint jim jordan I mean, he, because he was in contact with Trump um, throughout that day, um, he's a witness. So how can you be a witness to the same committee investigation? You can't, right? I mean, that she had a legitimate reason for for saying no, because he's a potential witness. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because by Tuesday, the GOP, after, you know, while I think the, the police officer was testifying, I think the GOP came up with this new line that the riot was because Pelosi was irresponsible. She did not take care of security, right? But even that falls apart because the Senate was under attack too. So does that mean that you're going to say McConnell failed? No. McConnell didn't fail, but Pelosi did. Like it's that hypocritical. You guys are yeah, not it's reaching for any sort of straw with their base, you know, because they don't really care about what anyone else thinks. Just as long as their base feels in their little little heart of hearts that they weren't responsible, right? That you know their ideology didn't spawn essentially like you know a Reichstag fire of you know psychopaths. Yep. Yeah, just all in all, it's it, it, you know abhorrent behavior by abhorrent people. Right? Yeah. And this is like it's the, it's just so surprising, right? The short sightedness. It is, and you know I think um, when the officers was asked, like, you know, what do you, what was the, you know, what was the, um, the statistics, right? The stats on it, um, because law enforcement was widely outnumbered. But do we really know? And I think it was Officer Hodges who said that. Um, there was 150 DC officers facing like 9,400 rioters. Really? Like that's not enough to for anything, and that's not on um, Nancy Pelosi, right? And, and here's the thing: is that um, even if you go back to January 6, right, the National Guard um, was not deployed by neighboring. Um, states because they needed to be called in they were on standby but they were ne they needed to be called in and the president didn't call them in yeah i mean the president's role in this uh there's this great video that was uh, per, uh going around essentially just you know like a timeline of events of like you see it matched with the president's speech and uh you know uh the rioters right these insurrectionists right. and um as i believe uh, one uh officer uh, kept on calling them uh, rather correctly the terrorists, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, people who want to use violence for political gain is the, you know, the definition of what terrorism is. Right. And it's really interesting, you know, because, um, I, I mean, the officer, I felt the officers were extremely effective, right? Uh, in terms of, you know, the term of these were tourists who came in to, the, to Capitol Hill on January 6th and there weren't rioters or terrorists, right? Um, I think it was Officer Hodges who had, you know, one of the officers said that, you know, if these were tourists, then I can see why other countries don't like American tourists. Yeah, right. It's it's a simple right. sort of like. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, and uh, the officers have used, and I think it was Hodges who, uh, who referred to the perpetrator, perpetrators as terrorists, right? And he was asked by Representative Raskin um, why he's used that word. And 
the officer said, you know, Hodges said that he came prepared for that question and he read out the definition, uh, the legal definition of domestic terrorism. And guess what? What they did on January 6th fit that definition. Uh, I believe it. It, it. it makes perfect sense. It, it's well within, you know, our understanding of, of how the law works, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. you, they came there to disrupt a political event, right? Yeah. Uh, that's like the like the textbook definition of what terrorism is. Right. It, it's just insane to me, and it's insane because the willful disregard, right? Right. You know, but nevertheless, <clears throat> you know, getting moving on from it, the the all the all the uh, testimonies were were amazing. They were they were truly thought provoking, and the, but the aftermath of them. Right, especially with you know Officer Fanon who who put who essentially came home to uh, death threats, right? Yeah. You know, uh, you know people calling him an actor. You know, people you know telling him to watch out. Those, you know, like like those reprehensible actions. I always go back to them because I go like that's that's fear, right? Yeah. You know, it's like you're it's like you're like people are using threats of violence to a man who's faced threats of violence because he said he's been you know threatened by violence right like people right. Are, are are going like you know it's like you better you know stop talking lies or we're gonna hurt you it's like as opposed to the time that you guys came close and, and hurt me anyway <laughs> right 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 it's like that's like that's what we're in that you know that that level of insanity, that level of cognitive dissonance where people can threaten violence right to someone else like that you know consistently uh, yeah. yeah, and it, it, what can I say? It's disgusting. It was disgraceful. And, you know, like, these guys, they, they need to get taken. You know, like, they're, you got to watch out for this because this is how it falls apart. It's not the external threats. It's the internal ones, right? And uh, especially these people who, you know, who are fascistic in their tendencies, right? Mm -hmm. They're unwilling to, you know, come to terms with that they lost, Right. And now essentially have to, you know, because like they think it like the election was stolen from them and because it was stolen right. from them, they have to fight, you know, for it. I understand that tendency. Right. But these guys actually actually came out and, you know, fought for it. And they fought for a lie being perpetuated by a liar who doesn't give a crap. Right. You know, right. Donald Trump this week, it was shown that, you know, he, he he's like, you know, pocketing all the money from, you know, all these uh uh, you know, like essentially these packs, you know, designed to fight the election, right? He's raised over right. like you know, seventy-five million dollars, and he's pocketing all of it, right? He's not putting any money into the you know Arizona audit, the Georgia audit, that sort of stuff. He's just taking it all for himself. Yeah. What can I say? It's it's it, it's shameful, and it's 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 wholly representative of of these individuals, and uh, I hope that it you know. Um, I hope there's actual accountability. I hope the you know it's like the the we're not really going to get anything out of this, but the entire point is to keep it in the. Well, no, cycle. I disagree with that. Well, okay, so Chris, um, I disagree with you in terms of we're not going to get anything out of it. See, we're what we're seeing is additional footage of that day. Okay, this is a day that we should not forget. Okay, so we need to continue to keep it out there. Okay. Um, and in the news cycle, we need to investigate, uh, you yeah. know, anybody with a rational mind can see the correlation between the rally and the, um, the yeah. insurrection and the assault. Yeah, I, I absolutely, right? I absolutely but, agree. Um, and I think that, you know, it, we need to continue it. We need to continue, like, remembering and then pushing forward, you know, like, ensuring that there's some level of accountability. The one thing that I'm afraid of um is that this event is used as more essentially like you know more fodder for patriots act style you know expansions of of you know uh, just general security you know like uh, internal homeland security stuff right like you know prism 2.0 except now we're directing it directly at u.s citizens because we're afraid of them right like right. i understand that we need to combat that and i want it to be combated i'm also on the civil liberty side you know, I wonder if it'll be used, you know, it's like, even if, like, it's used for good now, right, you know, that right. these powers in the hands of a Republican presidency could, could easily use the other way, you know, 
very, very Nixon Watergate style or Trump, you know, Burisma style, right? Um, just, uh, I, I worry about, uh, I, I only worry about essentially just rushing too head forward into this and then allowing, you know, people to, to steamroll rights, right? Because of these bad actors, right? Because mm -hmm. t I agree, it's like today, you know, but I always have to worry, right? Like any rights that can be used against bad actors can be used against good ones as well, right? Anything, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I want, I, I really badly just want there to be some level of accountability, but I'm afraid of, you know, the, the, the active pushback of, of essentially the, the intelligence agencies now using this as another, you know, like carrot that they can, you know, push forward, uh, uh, you know, some more, you know, surveillance state stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's something that you, we have to fight against, but also fight for, right. It's like, there's, there's common sense protections that we need to ensure, but we also need to, you know, maintain certain civil liberties. Um, if it was easy, if it wasn't complicated, then, you know, this wouldn't be a problem. But this is all of those things, right? Right. And I, January 6th, um, you know, was a, is a moment in time that, you know, we all have a responsibility that um, even, you know, um, Americans who we think are rational Americans, um, you know, it's very easy to get into this mob-like mentality and let the emotions get to you. And, um, you know, you know the, the whole thing was stop the steal, but they were the ones who were trying to steal. Yeah, well, projection is the name of the game. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, my vote counts just as same as those people who... And you know what? I, how much do you want to bet the people who showed up to stop the steal? A quarter of them probably didn't even vote. Um, I mean, that's always a possibility, right? It's kind of a terrible right. Like I, we don't have those stats, but I can tell you that you know a number of people who showed up probably had not voted because you know the reality is that everybody who has the right to vote does not vote. Yeah. It's, it's, it is very much true, and, uh, you know, the closer we get to, like, you know, a, a large segment and swath of people voting, the more likely we're going to see, you know, what the actual opinions of the country are. But, you know, uh, America's got, like, one very, very effective, you know, solution, which is direct ballot initiatives, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, like, those things push the needle uh, of, of where we want policy to go much faster than anything that the uh the you know government does or any sort of legislator right the legislature you know responds slowly it's an it's inherent to its design right uh but direct ballot initiatives get around that and hopefully you know that can be used as a tool to essentially you know push forward the needle in in you know in the sense of these sort of issues and uh what can i say just all in all when we we look at the the dearth of evidence around all this sort of stuff you know the republican response to to january 6th the democratic response and then just the response on the ground right um it's been woefully inadequate right for essentially mm -hmm. you know an attack on the nation's capital right this is sort of something that you see in a movie and if it was thankfully it was a coup by morons right if it was any bit of like organized or structured in any real sense right there would have been there would have been bodies. Right. Um, As you said, thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. It was, if, um, I strongly recommend, um, you know, looking at um, the remarks by Kinsinger, I think those were very powerful. And listen to the testimony of the four officers. Uh, there's a, uh, you know, there's a couple of stand-up moments, right? I've already mentioned two of them. The definition of terrorism, which um, January 6th fell into. Uh, it's like, it's very clear-cut, you know, and it falls in that um, category. There's the, um, Officer Hodges also talking about, you know, American tourists and, you know, um, tourists and how American tourists are viewed and yeah, you know, if those are the, t if those were tourists, then he totally gets why, um, 
American tourists are, you know, looked upon in a, in a certain way in foreign countries. Um, and then, you know, the um, testimony of uh, Officer Gunnell, who said that, you know, that he's had surgery. He's had um, have surgery for the injuries that he's received. And, you know, um, I remember in his testimony, he said that, you know, he was he was there um, January 6th and he, I mean, his wife was texting him. He wasn't able to, you know, let his wife know, his family know he was okay until like really late in the evening. Um, and he still didn't um, get home till about four o'clock. And, you know, he said he goes, he came through the door and his wife went to hug him and he told her don't um, because he had all of these chemicals on him. Right, and he didn't want her to get on him because he was he was suffering from the chemicals that were used, and um, you know he said even after he took a shower, like he he still could feel the after effects, and um, you know he probably got a couple hours. He said, and then he was back um, on Capitol Hill protecting the hill. Right, so this is like their the cycle that the officers went through. Like they had no dying downtime at all. They just, you know, held um, amazingly against um, this this mob, and and then they, you know, with their injuries, they still went back the next day, the next morning, um, to continue, right, to protect, serve and protect, yeah. uh, and then um, you have, uh, I think it's um, Officer Dunn who who talked about Harry Dunn, who spoke about, you know, uh, and I thought he had a very powerful statement. You know, it's like, you, you know, the, the mob was a hit, was the hit man, right? So, you know, when you go in, you know, when you go, um, when somebody gets killed by the hit man, law enforcement goes after the hit man, right? Like you can't oh, yeah. get the hit man, but, you also go after the person who hired the hitman. And he said, and that's what he wants to see. He goes, find out who hired the hitman. Yeah. And we all know where that path leads. Yeah, yeah, right? no, that, that path but leads But they need to the, make the, yeah. the connections, right? And that means that um, the commission needs to get all of the records from the White House of that day. Um, or, and I would say even days leading up to and after. Yeah, right? I mean, because there's a lot. And you know what? People who were in the White House at the time, they need to be brought to testify as well. Right. So um, there's a lot of investigation that needs to be done. Yeah, a lot. And, and hopefully, you know, they can push that through. That's, I think, one of the most important things to do. And more importantly, you know, just on a purely, even if we take this to a purely political level, it allows them to effectively keep this in yeah. the minds of people use it as a tool to, to to remind people of the dangers coming up ahead right 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 um it, it's the, the the problematic nature of all of this needs to be handled and addressed right and you know i didn't know that michael fanone had suffered a heart attack and um traumatic brain injury as from the rioters and from january 6 um you know, and uh, he said that he'd heard rioters starting to use his own gun. You know, and um, it's just for a minute. You know, um, I I'd, I'd want everybody to think about putting themselves in the place of where these officers are with those images to see just what they went through. We can never understand because we weren't there, but. I can only imagine the fear and the resolution and the resolve to stand their ground so that they could not move forward, um, you know, um, and infiltrate or do damage uh, any more than they already did. Yeah, absolutely. And what can I say? It was... <sighs> Sorry. This was a, a terrifying and terrible moment. Right, uh, but thankfully, you know, it it was foiled by stupidity, 
and you know just the the, the natural goodness of, of people around it but uh yeah uh let's let's hope we get more revelations from you know this commission let's hope that you know more uh more of this is talked about and yeah this is a this is a slow wound draw it out right draw this right. all the way out right like they draw it out you know benghazi right call people uh, you know call donald trump before congress right as you know like use your subpoena power embarrass the president you know the former president do whatever you can right show him as deranged as he is right show him show him everything show him refuse to, to answer questions show him answering all questions weirdly get him and the media is gonna love it because it's gonna be insanity but get him to hang himself yeah yeah right get him to admit to because you know he's gonna say he's like yeah screw it i wanted it to happen <laughs> yeah you, you right. never know with this guy he's you know he this is the guy who says the quiet part out loud a lot yeah yeah a lot lot so uh yeah so i think I'm, it was a strong testimony for the start of this commission absolutely and uh for this one single news topic i think we've been going on for a little you know for for a, a huge amount of time uh i think we've eaten up most of the time out of the uh the war room so i think we should uh push forward on after this uh and move towards our happy place um yeah i i got yeah, that that's that's fine um yeah the um just want to end it off with you know we had the olympics um started so um and the olympics uh uh, I'm just going to do a quick medal count um, for the Olympics. I'm sorry if you guys are hearing my typing because it's, um, I apologize. I've got like this powerful mic that picks up everything. So, um, oh, wow. So China is first with 21 gold. Um, Japan has 17, U.S. 16. Both China and U.S. are tied with the number of gold at 46 each with uh with australia and um it's uh, rc so and then there's the roc which is the russian olympic committee so i guess russia isn't being represented but the russians are under the roc mm -hmm. is that what's happened I have no idea. And so hard. ROC yeah. is seven. Uh, I mean, is the is fourth, and Australia is fifth. Damn, where's Canada? This Canada ain't the Winter Olympics, is twelfth. Yeah, this, this isn't the the Winter Olympics, man. Uh, like you know, oh, the, the, this is not how we do things. Some Olympics, what are we supposed to do in Canada? <laughs> All right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I had to check. Okay. <laughs> I had to check. Come on. I think I should be allowed. Um, okay. So, uh, but yeah, so Olympics. And I think the big news out of the Olympics was uh, Simone Biles. Um, she dropped out of the gymnastics. And um, there was no explanation other than it's mental health. But we've now found, since found out that she's got something called the twisties, which is very dangerous for a gymnastics, uh, for a gymnast. I think it's... Um, I read up a little bit on it. It's where, you know, when they're doing their routines and vaults and stuff like that, they don't know from top to bottom. And it sort of, like, misaligns them. And it's extremely dangerous. So, yeah, and it, it, uh, it, it's led to a lot of uh, severe injuries uh, over the time. You yeah. know, gymnasts, you know, they tend to push the line, you know, on, on what's on what's possible with essentially their, you know, with their routines and the, and the physics around it. They can, you know, seriously injure themselves if they do things incorrectly and so yeah no I, I i get it listen you know if you don't think that you're able to do it safely you know more power to you right, uh, right. i don't really have a dog in this fight so like you know I, i'm not disappointed but you know by no means is someone like a disappointment to the country if they you know if they're uh you know unable no, to i agree but i apparently she's been getting like I think she's been getting a lot of hate mail as a result of her pulling out. Yeah, she's. I mean, and you know, generally from the conservative that's side. That's like friggin' you know, insane. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, uh, to, to, but you know, to them, uh, you know, it's, you know, Simone Biles has got the the easiest thing, which is like, all right, well, you do it then, right? You know, you know, shut up, you, you can't do this. You know, it's like you're not on this level. So you know, if it's someone else, you know, criticizing them, maybe, but you know, these are just a bunch of armchair generals. It's not. It's meaningless. 
right? It's entirely, you know, uh, unnecessary. And, uh, yeah, just all in all, there's, there, there's, yeah, there's just too many people who, who think they, you know, they know the full story and they just rush into judgment. You know, that's the general problem that we have. And with that, I think we should just rush straight back into our happy place and talk about all the things that, you know, just make ourselves very, very happy and take us away from this evil and drudgery that is the war room. Sounds good. I object to evil drudgery, but um, I understand what you mean. So um, to the happy place it is. Yeah, and this time on the happy place, we're able to see, uh, you know, uh, some very, very interesting stuff in that. Ted Lasso season two episode two came out. I mean, goddamn, that was a good episode. Yeah, I mean, season one was a was an interesting start, but this was a very, like, like this episode really brought us back into like some of the drama aspects, which made Ted Lasso so interesting, and how it yep. like, navigated those things. I agree. You know what? I enjoyed the second episode more than I enjoyed the first episode. Really? Just because? Yeah, I did. Because you know, it's just it's like that build up, right? And I thought the second episode was pretty good um, in comparison. Um, but, I, I mean, that's not to say I didn't enjoy the first episode. I did. Mm. Um, but I, I just know that, you know, each episode is going to build on the other and it's just going to get um, better and better. And, and I do get the sense that the Doctor is his nemesis this year. Uh, the person he's got to win over. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's like necessarily nemesis, but it's definitely something that he himself has to get over. Right. Like, yeah, you know, right. he's got like his inherent fear of therapists. Right. Because his experiences with them. Right. And so I think it's going to be one of those things where you're going to see like him, you know, just, you know, come over and get over some 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 of his own sort of issues with, you know, like trying to because he's very good at like, you know, handling other people's problems. He's horrible at, you know, essentially, you know, handling his own. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think this might be one of those things where like like he gets better for himself and and. We're gonna say I think it will be. It's a very sorry interesting new dynamic because we've never seen like you know how he how he's supposed to deal with something like this, right? Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, all in all, well, like I'm uh like it was a, it was a great little episode. I mean, like this episode essentially started off with you know like pushing forward you know the the ever you know um, like essentially like pushing forward that little 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 side story that they started off with in uh, the last episode, which was Jamie Tarz on. Uh, 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 where was he? He's in a reality show, right? Right. And uh, he's just been and sort he's of kicked like, out of it. Yeah, he's <laughs> just been sort of kicked off of it. And yeah, Manchester United doesn't want him, and uh, or Manchester City or whatever. And so he's like, he he's he's stuck, right? He goes like, he's he's too much of a liability. He's a great player, but you know, he just can't work with anybody, right? And that's right. And, you know, that's that's created a lot of friction, and a lot of problems, right? Right, and we found out, like, um, last season, um, the thing with Jamie Tart was he's uh, he's he's pushed by, a ver- I, I would say, an abusive parent, right? Yeah. And um, that's the same thing that, um, and, and that's the same storyline. So what he does, he does to push back uh, and rebel against his parent. Yeah. And that just, you know, take, that does not help him so he he definitely doesn't see you know what he's doing is impacting him right um yeah. or that you know what he tries to by by you know uh, getting back at his father what he's actually doing is hurting himself right yeah. so yeah we see in the second episode that he nobody wants him he's got nowhere to go um uh, he even the reality show doesn't want him <laughs> the fans wanted him out like the fans may think he's a great player but they don't like him as a person right so and uh, you have that with the team who he wants to go back now to the team to richmond and it and you know the team is like no they don't want him back because he was so abusive towards them he wasn't a team player and they just don't want that that back right yeah i mean and sam so, had the the best sort of response right which is you know like right you know, this guy was, <clears throat> you know, this guy is such a terror. Like, the the problem that the team is having is that they they don't have they they have one ace, right? Which is Danny Rojas, right? They mm-hmm. they need two aces. They need, you know, they need you know that star. They need that talent, right? Right. Not only do they not have you know someone like Jamie Tart, but they lost Roy Kent, right? Roy Kent, you know who, uh, well, you know, is one of their you know a very talented player, but he was reaching the end of his sort of like lifespan, right? In, in the game. 
right? Right. They they lost them, and so it's, you know they were stuck in this position of like, you know, where do we go and, and what do we do, right? right? And yeah, so Jamie's back. Um, like that was a sort of like big sort of end revelation in the episode. It's like, all right, we're gonna get Jamie back. We're gonna we're gonna work with him, and you know, we're gonna try to like you know, we're gonna try right. to fix this, right? Right, but uh, you know, there, and you're gonna see the team dynamics because he's got to start playing with the team again. He's not the solo guy, right? And I think you're we're gonna see more of that development that had started to happen at the end. I, I mean, the only reason why um, the his you know um, Jamie's team had won is because he listened to what Ted Delasso said, which was you're part of a team. It, you know, you should let the team play with you. Yeah. You know, you you're not you're not you're not a solo act. It's a team sport. And if you can't do it, somebody else is going to be in a better position. You pass it to them so that at the end of the day, we want you know you need to win. And that's yeah. exactly what he did. And as a result of that, I mean, he got like reamed out by his dad for doing that, right? But yeah. that was the right thing to do. Well, and it's the thing that won that. against Richmond, right? Like he he didn't yeah. he, you know like. Richmond was able to get relegated because Jamie Tart did the, the the freaking you know finishing goal right like he right. like he's the he's like the executioner for them in a sense right um, and so like he he's also the thing that can really push them back because you know Jamie Tart's in this position where you know he like they're in this you know B tier team but he is like this A tier talent that can't get you know that that really just can't get you know like people to to, to, to give him the chance at this moment right. Because, right. you know, he left Manchester, like, at the beginning of the season, right? Right. To get back at his dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, he's got a lot to, he's got a lot of work to do, right? Just right. in general. Right. And it, there's an interesting point um, that Tavasa said, goes that, you know, Sam has a great dad. Yeah. And not everybody has a great dad like Sam. Yeah. Right? And he's referring to... You know, a Jamie Tart. I mean, he's Jamie's character is the way he is because of who his father is. Yeah. Um, but overall, I a strong um, episode. Uh, we see the you know um, it looks like Roy Kent has gotten his mojo back. I think he's gonna be enjoying being in his new role as a as an anchor or a commentator. What do you think? Uh, what can I say? It's like um, the Roy Kent commentator thing. That was an interesting sort of like take on it, right? Like, yeah. like, uh, especially because the whole thing is like, you know, like he he's still like totally uncensored, uncensored, and totally like just out of his mind. And Roy Kent is just the Roy Kent that we always know him for, right? Um, yeah. Right. What can I say? That that was a that was a great little thing. Uh, I thought that was uh, I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, me too. It was like good. Like he shouldn't compromise who he is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just like the Roy Kent side of it was was very interesting because like I've like with like what like what they were supposed to do with the character once he was retired, right? That was always right. going to be like a challenge, right? Trying to figure out like how to, to to make the character relevant in you know the 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 aftermath of essentially like his 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 non connection to the team in that sense because two episodes in he still doesn't want to like you know talk to any of the team members or or anything like that. Like he's still like just hiding. Like he normally does, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, what can I say? Just uh, like this is one like one of my favorite shows, and I'm so, like I, I'm so excited every time. It's like all right, Friday's gonna come back, and you know Ted Lasso is like it, it, it's it's like Amazon's uh, so not Amazon. This is Apple, Apple's like best show that they have on their platform, right? Far done, and um, like the the thing that makes me really happy about it is that it's like they've already like said it's gonna be only three seasons long. Where you know, uh, you know the, the the cast is very very what's it called generally busy you know, and so yeah three seasons long we're gonna tell our, our complete story and it's gonna be great and uh, I for one am am super excited about it and this was thankfully filmed at a time you know when COVID wasn't much of an issue as of yet, right yeah right and they were able to get so much done um, and so yeah the third season uh, has already been you know renewed. And so yeah, the, like there's a there's a rare sort of comfort in getting to a position where like a a, a show is has you know it is in a safe position so you can just watch it, right? Not worry about whether or not it's gonna continue or not, right? Uh, especially yeah. you know uh, a big show like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it 
It's a great one. Um, yeah. If you and if you haven't, uh, again, we strongly recommend uh, tuning into it. Yeah. Uh, on a different side of the news, which is more entertainment industry news, um, mm-hmm. we had like the big sort of bombshell, which was Scarlett Johansson uh, suing uh, Disney. Uh, yeah. Not Marvel, but Disney specifically. You know, uh, the the Disney guys. Uh, and so, as I understand, she was sh- suing them based on um, uh, their decision to uh, essentially push her film into uh, streaming, as well as uh, essentially you know the simultaneous uh, streaming and uh, 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 you know, uh, streaming and theatrical release, right? Yeah, so, uh, it, right, so she she sued them for a breach of contract. So um, Johansson's uh, compensation was tied in to um, box receipts, right, a theatrical release. So um, to maximize, you know, and so uh, to maximize receipts and protect her financial interest, Johansson extracted a promise from Marvel, right, that they would release the picture as a theatrical release. But what, um, and it would be exclusively to theaters and then they could do the streaming. Well, um, Disney, who is aware of this in the contract, went ahead and released the, um, the movie, not only in um, the movie theaters, but simultaneously with Disney Plus. Yeah, on the and, same day, um, we, and so that Disney, impacted. Yeah, it yeah, we, impacted her, her how much she was her compensation, right? Yeah, so I, yeah, so I think she's got twenty. Yeah, so this, if I could just finish because yeah, it's yeah. she's got like twenty. So her compensation was twenty plus box office receipts, and it does not include the streaming component. So even though Disney may have made an additional sixty or seventy million. Because they they put that figure out, she's getting zero of that. She's only getting what was in the theatrical release, which was, I think, significantly less. Yeah. Um, when it comes to her compensation, like sort of package, it was based on you know box office receipts and the exclusivity of a theatrical release. Remember, this was supposed to come out yeah. in theaters um, in twenty twenty, right? Right. <clears throat> and then COVID essentially put kept on pushing it back, kept on pushing it back, and. Disney did that dual release schedule of um, of of streaming and, and theatrical, which uh, other companies have done. But what they didn't do, which was renegotiate for, you know, with this right. in mind, right? Like, all right, we are the original contract, as I understood, talked about exclusivity, right? There was right. an email exchange between Scarlett and uh, you know producers about talking about, hey, we need to. Um, we might need to renegotiate if you guys have to continue to delay it or if the, the, there's any changes to the plan, right? Uh, there was no renegotiation. Um, and, I, you know, like, she, she timed it very well. She timed it essentially, like, after the movie was out for a couple of weeks, she saw what the box office was like. She saw, you know, the general thing. She goes, like, all right, I'm in a strong position to show that, you know, my, you know, like, my movie was uh, was harmed by, you know, the, the Disney Plus uh, simultaneous release, right? Because yeah. it led to inevitable, pri- uh, you know, piracy and you know just a, a lot a reduction of people watching in theaters. And so, at the very least, you know, like she estimated, she uh, like her lawyers estimated that she would be worth uh, uh, like fifty million out of this deal, and um, right. And so she lost thirty. Yeah, so she's lost that much, um, or perhaps even more, right? That's the, the problem that you have yeah. to sort of deal with. Right, because if you look at it, even Ant and the Wasp um, hit it was something like $650 million. Yeah. Um, right, like Ant and the Wasp had a huge, I guess it was pre-pandemic, but that, I mean, if you're going to compare um, Black Widow to anyone, I think it would be Ant and the Wasp, right? I think that's comparable. Yeah, I'm out of the Wasp is, 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 a, is a very comparable film. It's, um, you know, it's an integral sort of thing. It involves these, you know, side characters. Uh, I mean, you have to remember Scarlett Johansson was one of the original Six Avengers, right? Right. So, like, this is like, you know, like, she, she's finally getting her own series, like, her, 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 her solo film that people have been waiting on. Um, you know, Hawkeye's getting his own solo show. Like, we're, we're sort of, like, just tying up these characters. And, yeah, I mean, what can I say? If there was a contract... You know, and the contract there was, you know, um, you know, issues with essentially just like you know, not someone not fulfilling it. Then yeah, uh, you know, if there's breach, 
go ahead, Sue. That's you know, right. we'll see how this works. Generally speaking, it's not good for Marvel. Um, not Disney. Uh, you know, they don't give a shit. But Marvel's whole thing is you know, like they were able to acquire this, this 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 top tier talent, right? And um, right because of the profit share. Yeah, because of the Component. profit share. You know, because they're you know, like it's like, hey, listen, you can get in, you can get in on these movies and make a lot of money. Right, and uh, they, they're all almost guaranteed hits, right? Um, and so, yeah, like Marvel, uh, there was def- there was reporting that essentially Kevin Feige uh, was was just pissed at the Disney side of things because he goes like, "This is just harming our relationship with our talent," right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah, what can I say? It's it, it's a nice little bit of like Hollywood, uh, you know, accounting and back end deal stuff, which we see, you know, like even. Like, you know, you can tell, like, Scarlet goes, like, this was my last sort of thing, so I'm not taking no shit, right? It's like, get me what I want, um, right? And this is someone who's given almost, like, 10 years to the MCU, right? Right, right. And uh, so, yeah, what can I say? Like, uh, well, yeah, practically 10 years uh, to the MCU. So, yeah, let's, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how, how this all shapes up. On the other side of events, we have uh, a little bit of an interesting story involving um, uh, David Ayer. Right, right. Uh, David yeah. Ayer uh, with the Suicide Squad essentially releasing uh, internationally, and people uh, people's attention of the Suicide Squad, you know, coming up. Right, there is um, in more of a bigger push on you know essentially the original Suicide Squad to you know mm-hmm. this retrospective of of like how good or bad it was it like you know was it problematic, was there you know like you know what were the problems with it, and something right. that for a movie that essentially is is, is as I feel is like universally hated, right? For a movie yeah. that's like universally hated as the Suicide Squad, uh, sorry, as, as Suicide Squad, you know, 2016, um, it made a freaking fuck ton of money, uh, right? It made like, you know, close to $800 million, right? It did better than freaking uh, Man of Steel did. It did, you know, it did really well. Yeah. Um, uh, like, it, like, so the, like, so the amount of hate it gets, it, it doesn't really necessarily match up in the box office performance. The box office for this thing was, was as they say gangbusters right um right. and so yeah just all in all it, it was just one of those interesting like different things that happened right where where the audience reaction versus the critical reaction but nevertheless on on the on the other side of the scale we saw um uh we saw his response to essentially releasing the air cut and the general like sort of like critical thing that they're doing right now which is talking shit about the original suicide squad while praising you know uh the new one that's coming out right and right? I, I think he said that what even the director's cut that was released was not his yeah yeah the director's cut wasn't his you know like the the the, the studio cut wasn't his the theatrical cut right he goes like there's a lot more of that movie that will never get you know seen and i believe it. it's you know uh, as we've seen with how the studio, uh, you know, treated Zack Snyder and everything around that, we've seen that the studio has it in it, right, to be, you know... See, I don't understand why the studio does that, right? Like, if it's a director's cut, that means that a, the fan base is going to purchase the director's cut. Just let us see the whole thing, okay? You've got a, a theatrical release, but let us see what was the director's vision. So... So the, one of the things that I see, the reason why they don't want to is because, you know, the new Suicide Squad movies coming out, they don't want to distract from that one, right? And I'm okay. I get that. You know, that makes perfect sense, right? I'm not going to hold, uh, hold uh, you know, hold anything against them for essentially that, right? Like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. They have, uh, you know, a movie that's titled almost exactly the same, right? They don't want to mess with the, uh, with, with essentially any of the marketing or any problems. That's fine. But they should release the air cut, right? Like, it's, right. it's just, like, release it on HBO Max, like you did with Snyder Cut. You know, I believe it's, it would be in a much more better finished position. Because, as I understand, the, what was mainly done was not reshoots, but, like, a total freaking, like... Uh, they cut it up. Yeah, yeah, just right? shredding, shredding the movie up, cutting people, certain people out of it. Um, like, you know, Joker's supposed to be in it a lot more than he was. Um, right? So, yeah, just, yeah, I, I see no harm, right, personally. It's, you know, but it's one of those movies that because, it, like, David Ayer is one of those guys, he doesn't have, like, the Zack Snyder fandom, like, love compared to everyone else, you know, like, other directors, right? Uh, like, people go to bat for, for Zack Snyder. David Ayer doesn't really have that. Like, his fans are, 
Right, but if he that... can get like a Zack Snyder behind him. Yeah. Well, generally to... speaking, like, you know, like there's a lot of love between all these directors, right? And right. um yeah, just like in general it's it, it sucks, you know, it really is really just one of those crappy things and I hate it. But uh, I hope that, you know, just all things in general that that yeah, we get to see this original cut. And I'm one of those guys who really enjoyed like the original Suicide Squad. Like I know it's got its right. problems. Like its last third act, you know, falls apart. Its villain is definitely not great. But I loved some of the characterization stuff that it did. I loved, you know, and and it, the way it established like sort of the Gotham villains, right? Similar to the way Birds of Prey did. Another movie that you know that uh, unnecessarily gets you know crapped on, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, just all in all, um, I. Uh, I really enjoy a lot of David Ayer's films, and I enjoy like his style and his his the way that he he puts out stuff. And uh, of the David Ayer films that you know he's put out, we've I've seen a lot of them. You've seen what like Training Day and Bright, right? And Suicide yeah. Squad. Yeah. Uh, are you sure you never saw Street Kings with with Ken Reeves? I may have, but it's not ringing a bell. Yeah, so Street Kings with Keanu Reeves, it was... Uh, that's yeah, it's hard one to one. believe that I would yeah. not have seen a Keanu Reeves movie, right? Yeah, well, that's actually one of my... Well, I really enjoy that movie. That's like that's a movie that like I put on every once in a while. It's, you know, this really guilty pleasure. But, you know, like Keanu Reeves as a, as a cop and, you know, just and, and the corruption within L.A. I mean, one of the big things that David Ayer is like known it's for... It's got Chris is, Evans in it, too, Street Kings. No, I haven't yeah. seen it, dude. I oh have my, not it's seen a, it. Oh, wow. That's a I really have to good see movie. It. That's a really good movie. You're going to enjoy Street Kings. Um, okay, how could I have missed a movie by Keanu? Yeah, I mean, it, like it's just one of those movies that I really enjoy. So I have like, um, you know, but all in all, uh, yeah, the, the the whole sort of film was, um, I mean, it was great. Like Street Kings is is, is one of the, the those great little uh, uh, movies that that we don't get to see a lot of. Um, mm-hmm. And it, you know, uh, but yeah, just in general, um, like I like. Oh, also Fury. Watch Fury. Uh, Brad Affleck. You know, uh, not Brad Affleck. Uh, Brad Pitt, uh, Shia LaBeouf, uh, John Bernthal, um, Logan Lerman. Um, you know, like a ton. Like it's a really it, that that was also a really great film. Uh, Fury uh, about a World War Two German. Uh, sorry, World War Two American tank crew inside Germany. Um, yeah, that was a, another great film as well. Like, he, he, he goes for grit. Like, that's his thing, right? He is he is hyper-realistic. He goes for the gritty. He goes for the destructive, right? His, like, everything about what he does, like, is in that sense, right? Um, right. You know, his he, a lot of his movies dealt with essentially L.A., L.A. corruption, L.A. gangs. You know, Trading Day is one of those really great movies that has become, like, a genre. Like, there's, like, a, like you know, like, how, like, Die Hard is a specific, like, formula and format. So, like, you have Die Hard in this, Die Hard in that. Like, Olympus Has Fallen was essentially Die Hard in the White House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, like it, yeah. It's, like, you know, yeah, because of that. Training Day itself is also one of these, you know, sort of, like, things, right? Training Day in space is something that they've been trying to describe. Um, what's it called? Like, a future Green Lantern movie, right? right. Because right. it's essentially, like, you know, it's like they're, they're just space cops. Right, right, um, right, right, right. And it's like, all right, let's do a training day in space event where like Sinestro is like, normally I'm going to take you down the line. And you realize that Sinestro is corrupt and all that sort of stuff, right? Great. Um, it, like, like that's the, the 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 general tone of of his stuff. And so, Street Kings, Harsh Times, Fury, <clears throat> Tax Collector that I recently put out, like you know, and Bright. I mean, Bright is another one of those things that deals with LA gangs, but in like a fantasy setting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I enjoy his aesthetic so much. And so like that letter that, that, what, that he put out his, his general like opinions on what happened with, you know, suicide squad. Right. You know, the fact that like, it's, it's like James Gunn was able to do practically anything that he wanted, but all these guys were essentially like screwed, you know, like Zack yeah. Snyder was like, nope, nope. We're going to mess with your vision. Nope. We're going to do this. Nope. We're going to do that. Um, the general sort of thing that I feel is that, you know, like, um, there. You know, like, the the these executives thought they could do it better, and more often than not, they were wrong, right? Because you know, one of the things that there there was no like Kevin Feige. There's there is no guy with one man one vision, right? Right. And right. You know, what you get for that is uniqueness, right? When you don't mm-hmm. have a Kevin Feige like individual, individual, the DC films can can afford to be unique and still within the within the larger universe. 
as opposed to like one of the main criticisms that Black Widow and like things have is that post uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, things got very like identical, right? They started becoming very, very much like everything became like like Civil War and Winter Soldier, and you know, uh, and and the way that like they they showed stuff, right? Like the, the like the it became that Russo style, right? Mm-hmm. And right. very very samey across the board, and you know, the these things became like yo pretty much you know like movies by committee you know um there wasn't yeah. that uniqueness which means there wasn't that many chances taken and you just essentially got a whole bunch of like okay schlock right um yeah you know as scorsese calls like you know theme parks uh, right uh you right. never really got you know like you know, things that took chances like you know joker right you know the dark knight trilogy right which mm-hmm. came out you know when the mcu was coming out i mean like dark knight by itself made a billion dollars it took the avengers to make that right those movies came out around the same time right dark knight rises yeah. even had to deal with the fact that there was a freaking what's it called like a like theater shooting well when it was you know going down right um just right. yeah all of it was you know what can i say just in general uh you know allowing a director like david Ayer to put his like take onto these characters some of them good some of them bad Right, like I didn't necessarily like some of the tattoos he put on his Joker, but I do like that fact that his Joker is an actual like criminal, you know, a crime lord, you know, something yeah. that we haven't seen in any other sort of thing. It's like, how is the Joker able to attract this kind of talent? It's because he's, you know, he's a psychopath, but he pays, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right. Uh, you know, it's like, how is he able to do all this stuff? It's because he, you know, it's like Gotham is filled with criminals, and he's a crime lord, and he doesn't just lose his stuff and kill his own men all the time, right? right. Like he's not right. like. The, th- the problem with, like, say, the Joker in, like, the Joker movie is that as great as Joaquin Phoenix is, he doesn't work as a Batman villain because it's like if this guy ever fought Batman, Batman would punch through his chest accidentally. Right, right? yeah, right. <clears throat> um, but he, he embodies the character so well, but he doesn't embody the physicality of the character. I felt that Jared Lowe embodied the physicality of the character and, and, and that very very destructive psychopathic tendency and then he was able to 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 push that even more with you know uh Zack Snyder's Justice League and how yeah. his character was able to to get more into that like unhinged almost like he's like like they let out a serial killer you know what I mean yeah and it's amazing you know it was like five minutes that we see him and he has such an impact right yeah, I mean, it was like this great little moment between these characters who we've been waiting on for a, a long time to have an interaction. I wanted to see, you know, Jared Leto and Ben Affleck actually interact with each other, and we got to see it. And, um, yeah, just all in all, uh, just, they're like, I hope, like, th- it's a character that they need to get back to, and, and how they redo them and how they do them is going to be important. But, yeah, just all in all, yeah, uh, I would love for the air cut to come out. I would, you know, and David Ayer has put out, you know, movies that I've really enjoyed, whether that be Bright or, you know, Training Day, Street Kings, which you have to see, um, right? Uh, I'd, he, he, he puts out that great sort of L.A. is fucked vibe, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. You know, and uh, especially because, you know, like Training Day came out, like, after the whole Rampart stuff, right, in, like, 2001, it was able to really, you know, get in early on that cops are corrupt thing uh, earlier than, than a lot of people were able to really realize. Um, and so, yeah, what can I say? Uh, David Ayer is, is a director that I enjoy. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, I, I, you know, like more prior to him, and I want to see his Kyle of Suicide Squad. I'm, I'm at least interested, right? And so, yeah. you know, if the, if it was simple and easy to put out, uh, yeah, please, just like, guys, you know, just put it out, you know, like, put it out when, you know, a couple of months from down the line, you know, keep the Suicide Squad, you know, sort of, like, gambit going on and get people, you know, more and more hyped and, you know, for whatever. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, do it, you know, it's a prequel for, like, before, like, you know, uh, the Peacemaker show comes out or something like that, right? right, right. Um, yeah, all in all, just, uh, I'm very excited about uh, all of this in general. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he said his piece, and uh, it w- I invite everyone to, to take a look at it. It was this very, you know, like this two-page sort of Twitter Twitter um, uh, thread that he put out. Um, and, yeah, all in all, just, uh, you know, I think the main thing that came out of it was just, like, you don't need to insult the artist if you don't like his art, right? Yeah. You know, like, it's not like he murdered anyone or did anything wrong. It's just, he just, you know, it's like he put out something, and some people liked it, some people didn't. It made a lot of money, so I think a lot of people did end up liking it. 
Uh, I just think right, but the other thing is, uh, how much of it did he have in terms of control? Right, I mean, it's, we're we're learning with this not with the Snyder Cut as well. Um, studios had a lot of control, and they take a lot of control over those directors and those artists, those creatives that they feel that they have. And you know what, studios are looking at the bottom line; they're not necessarily looking at the art form. Yeah, I mean, and because they, they fundamentally rely on box offices, they, their metrics are, are, are older and, and based on certain realities. Uh, for us... But those realities may not currently exist. Exactly. Right, I mean, but like, so Netflix, you know, and Zack Snyder, right? Like, there's the, the new relationship that he has. And Netflix has, you know, is pushing forward essentially his movie Army of the Dead. Their, you know, uh, Army of Thieves is coming out later this year. You know, a trailer came out for that, which was interesting. And then, mm-hmm. um, what's it called? Uh, the, you know, he has a, signed a, a two-year first look deal with, uh, with, with them, and I think believe like his. I, I believe what's probably going to happen is that his movie Rebel Moon, uh, which he talked about, uh, is going to come out. It's like Kurosawa, you know, you know, future samurai and you know Star Wars sort of themed. Uh, he pitched it as a Star Wars movie back in the day uh, mm-hmm. to to Lucasfilm, but he was like, screw it, I'll just do my own thing uh, with the same plot, right? And right. so, yeah, um, that one I'm, I'm actually quite interested in because, you know, there's definitely needs to be more in that in that genre of, like, space fantasy. Yeah. Uh, like, Star Wars right now has, like, sort of, like, the stranglehold on it, and there needs to be more in that in that, in that that era, in that area of stuff. So, yeah, he, uh, like, he's doing that. And then, of course, Army of the Dead sequel, you know, which, uh, you know, they need to, to, to do based on its ending. So, yeah, yeah. all in all, uh, I'm incredibly, uh, uh, I'm incredibly happy. Right with, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm just yeah, I'm incredibly happy with with you know like Zack Snyder and his new relationship, and I hope that David Ayer is able to you know uh, establish that sort of thing as well because outside of the studio system we were able to get something really interesting like Army of the Dead, yeah. you know something right. that very yeah. much would not have been made in, in the normal studio system. You know it, it's it's so weird and, and and just and out of it, and it did well because you know you know Zack Snyder has essentially those kind of fans. And, you mm-hmm. know, Netflix's whole thing is, like, you know, uh, we're not going to mess with it. We're going to hands-off approach. Just do your thing, right? Right. Uh, right. We have the tools. We have the production houses. You just, you know, you got to do your thing. Um, but, yeah, all in all, um, uh, just, you know, uh, I'm just excited for the future for, for, for projects from these filmmakers, right? And, uh, you know, we shouldn't really attack them just because we don't necessarily mm-hmm. like something that they've done. But that's the issue of fandom in general is you know fandom is, is all fandom is quite toxic no matter what and uh you know it, it sucks for for these creators and uh, i just hope that you know uh, that i i just hope that it doesn't well i don't know if i can say that all fandom sucks i think fandom is good because that's what gets you there right but yeah but i feel like it's just in every fandom there's always that toxic mm-hmm. element and you know no yes. matter how hard you yeah. try you know like to go like guys we're not representative of that we're, we're not you know this or that it's just one of those things that's just so annoying to deal with, but you know, nevertheless, yeah. has to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that's a, a good place to sort of end it there. Uh, for uh, yeah, I agree. I think this is a great place. Um, thank you for joining us this uh, fine Saturday, um, and um, you can't wait. You can't stop the signal, guys. See ya. All right. Bye bye. <laughs>